and 13. Now, this is a verse that we have um, taught on extensively, taught from extensively over the years here at Heritage, and, and um, you know, I could just go from the from the top of my heart without any notes, probably two or three hours on this verse. I, I, I included it in uh, my book, Becoming a Threat to Addiction. There's a chapter in that book uh, dedicated to this uh, verse, and I believe it spells out the foundation for the life that God created us to live. And so um, let's begin tonight, and then we're still, for the record, we haven't changed subjects. We're talking about um, faith flourishing in a merciful heart, faith flourishing in a merciful heart. But let's, um, let's go to 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 13, and we'll look at this uh, from a little different perspective this evening. It says, And now abide faith, hope, love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. And now abide faith, hope, love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. And that's 1 Corinthians 13, 13, so that address shouldn't be too difficult for you um, to remember. And this verse is not very long, so it shouldn't be too difficult for you to uh, memorize. Now, we know faith, hope, and love are the, are the pillars, again, for the life that God created us to live but the word that is often overlooked here, and it's such an important word in this verse, it's, it's that word abide, abide. Um, some translations have it remain, and now remain faith, hope, and love. These three, but the greatest of these is love. The word abide means more than exists or, uh, as, as we've already said, remains. Um, in other words, this word is communicating a connection to uh, a connection to and a dependence upon one another. In other words, faith, hope, and love are all connected to one another, and even dependent upon one another. They will not produce results in your life unless they work together. So the idea is that faith, hope, and love complement one another and even feed off of one another, complement one another, and feed off of one another. So faith, hope, and love, uh, again, spell out the foundation for the life that God created us to live. Unfortunately, most people are living a life based upon fear, regret, and selfishness. Fear, regret, and selfishness instead of faith, hope, and love. Now, when we say that these work together, Hebrews 11 says this, for example, that faith is the substance of things hoped for. Galatians 5, 6 says that faith works by love. So we see, and I hate to use this word, but it, it's English words sometimes just don't do all of this justice. If you could almost think of faith, hope, and love as an, as an interacting system uh, where, again, they work together. Um, so we know that God has given to every person the measure of faith. And we know that faith operating in a man or a woman's life is the victory that overcomes the world. There's nothing in this life that you and I cannot be victorious over if we learn how to use faith in, in those situations. I sometimes, to make the point, say it opposite. If there's anything in life you want to lose at, just leave faith out of it and you'll eventually lose. 
But if there's something in life that, that you want to win at, let's, let's just say maybe something in life that's, that's been getting the best of you, um, then what that tells me, no condemnation, what that tells me then is that I haven't learned how to do that part of my life by faith yet. Because if I learn how to do it by faith, then I'm going to win. Because faith is the victory that overcomes the world. And so God has given to every person a measure of faith. Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. And we also know that anytime God gives you something, it's, it, he'll never take it back. Uh, it's, it's, it's irrevocable. Um, the Bible says it this way, the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. Uh, and, and that simply means that he'll never say, okay, just give that back to me. No. Um, so when he gives you the gift of faith, it's, it's, it's in there. All right? Now, the devil knows this whether the individual person understands this or not. And the devil knows that because you've been given the measure of faith that you have the ability to be victorious over every effort that he would ever bring against your life. That he, that, and, and if you want to see this played out in real time, real life, look at the life of Jesus. Everything the devil tried against Jesus from, from uh, att demonic attacks to uh, you know, bad weather, all, all of these things. Some of the most brilliant intellects, intellectual minds uh, all plotting together. They would spend all-nighters trying to come up with questions to ask Jesus that he couldn't answer. Right? And Jesus answered them every, every, every time, right? He, that, again, he, he was victorious because he, learned, he knew how to operate and, and, and live uh, in and by faith. And so what the devil then tries to do is he tries to neutralize your faith he can't, if he could, he would reach inside of your heart and take it away from you, but the devil can't do that. So he tries to neutralize your faith. First of all, faith cometh by hearing. It's awakened, it's aroused, it's brought to the surface in your life by hearing the word of God. Faith by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And so the devil you know, is, is working overtime to try to keep you and me from ever hearing the word of God because when the faith that's already in you comes in contact with the, the anointed spoken word of God, it creates a reaction on the inside of you. So the devil's trying to keep your faith, you know, you know neutralized and, and harnessed and basically inactive and operative in your life uh, by certain strategies. One of those strategies is to keep you from ever hearing the word of God, all right? Um, but then if we look at it on, on a more practical level, um, if, if you never get your hopes up, so to speak, remember, what is faith going to do? Faith is going, uh, it's designed by God to produce in your life the thing that you hope for. It gives substance to that which you hope for. So if, if you never have any confident expectation for something better, your faith has nothing to produce. It has nothing to, to give substance to in your life, all right? Um, but then we're talking about faith, hope, and love as an interactive system, though, all right? So we also see then that, that Galatians 5, 6, I'll put this on the, on the, uh, on the screen. Um, For in Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. Faith which worketh by love. I want to focus on that um, phrase right there. Faith which worketh by love. I know for some of you who've been at Heritage for a long time, you could probably teach all, all of this. You've, you've heard me say it so many times, but just stay with me tonight because we're, I want to bring us all on the same page and then we'll move forward together, okay? So this word um, worketh in the Greek, is, it's the word energio. You could probably guess what English word we get from this Greek transliteration, our word energy. 
But the word energy, energio in the Greek, it means that which fuels or energizes. That which fuels or energizes. Okay? So <clears throat> you've been given the measure of faith by God. And that measure of faith that's in you is powerful enough to move mountains into the ocean. It's powerful enough to uh, command uh, uh, sycamine trees to be plucked up by the roots. It's powerful enough, are you following what I'm saying, to raise the dead. It's the victory that overcomes the world. All right? But notice there's something that fuels this engine of faith, and it's love. Love is what fuels or what energizes our faith. I like to simplify it by saying it this way, all right? Love is to your faith what gasoline is to your car. You can have a brand new car, but it will not do what it could otherwise do for you if you have no fuel in its tank. You've got to have fuel, uh, gasoline, and to, to energize that automobile so that it will produce the results for you that you need for it to produce. So let's go back to it. The devil can't steal the faith that's in you. He can't take that substance of faith out of you. So he's going to try to neutralize it. And he's going to attack it from two sides. He's going to, so obviously, if he can keep you from ever hearing the word of God, then his, you know, he's pretty much got you uh, disabled when it comes to faith. Right? But he's already lost that battle for me and you. Okay? So what is he going to do? He's going to attack our faith from the hope side and the love side. If he, can, if he can keep you from ever getting any kind of hope operating in your life, then there's nothing for your faith to give substance to. Or if, if he can keep you from ever understanding love, being developed in love, growing in love, walking in love, living uh, your life by the love of God, uh, loving other people, these kinds of things, then again, he's, he's in, in, in essence, he's going to starve. You, any, anybody remember the old carburetor? You've got fuel injections now. You can still starve a fuel-injected car, but, you know, somebody says, man, it's, it's being starved from fuel. You know, your car's missing, not running right, whatever. It's not getting enough fuel. See, this is, the devil tries to starve our faith, right, the engine of our faith, by attacking us and, and deceiving us on the love side of this system or on the love side of this equation, all right? So we're, we're going to do this. We won't have time probably to get to all of it tonight, but we see that the Bible connects, um, and I'm not trying to, listen to me, we, obviously we don't have, <laughs> you're trying to teach on just faith itself is, is, is a big enough challenge. Uh, I'm not trying to somehow dismiss the importance of hope, okay? I'm not trying to leave hope out of the equation because now abide faith, hope, and love, all right? So all of these three are extremely important. But specifically, I want us to talk about the, 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 the connection between um, love and faith or the connection between faith and love. The Word of God connects faith and love together. We know that faith and love, listen to me now, they both reside in and work from our heart, okay? Romans 10.10 says, with the heart one believes. So faith is a function of the heart, amen? It's not a function of the brain. He didn't say with the brain man believes. He said with the heart, the inward part of us. So faith is a function of the heart. Well, guess where true love comes from? True love comes from the heart, amen? So we see that both of these, uh, faith and love, both reside in the heart 
and they work from the heart. Now, have you ever, have you ever felt like you needed more faith? I mean, I'll be honest, I don't mind raising my hand on that, you know? Have you ever felt like you, you needed more faith, or have you ever asked for more faith? We know the disciples certainly asked um, for uh, more faith, okay? Um, l- let me ask you this. Is it possible for a man or a woman to increase in faith? Absolutely. Absolutely. This, this is one of the key areas in our lives where uh, we not only can grow and develop, but we need to grow and develop in faith. So as I've, as I've said before, I'll say again, I, I, I am a faith child of a faith God. I, I, I am unapologetically a, a, a faith preacher. I, I, you know, this idea that somehow we should be embarrassed or ashamed by that to me is just absolutely ridiculous. Um, you know, God is a God of faith. God is the God who gave you the faith that, that you have. To, to, it's like a muscle, if you will, uh, that, that we need to, to, to develop and increase and grow and become stronger and stronger in faith. So I think in, in some form or another, most people listening to me right now, either on the Internet or in the room, uh, have you know, been curious about more faith or being stronger in faith or maybe even ask God to give them more faith. But what about love? What about the love side of this equation? Have you ever asked Father to give you more love? Have you ever asked Him to help you grow in your ability to love others? Have you ever, have you, how about this one? <clears throat> John 13 and 34, where Jesus says, A new commandment I give to you, all right? A new commandment. The new commandment was for us to love other people as Jesus had loved, has loved us. See, that's, that's, that's a level up from loving your neighbor as you love yourself. What are the two great commandments? When, when Jesus was asked, what are the two great commandments? He said, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, he's taking those commandments, those were existing commandments from the Old Testament. And he said, in, in the fulfilling of these two is the fulfillment of all the law and the prophets. But then he gives us a new commandment, one that had never been given before. The reason it had never been given before is because the ability, the capacity to fulfill it had never been available before. Jesus says to them, I'm commanding you, not suggesting, I'm commanding you to love one another as I have loved you. Now, why, why do we say that it had the, the, the capacity to fulfill had never been available before? Because... In the new birth, Jesus comes and lives inside of us. In the new birth, the Holy Spirit is now inside of us, pouring out the love of God inside of us, which means we now have the love of God residing in us, right? Now it becomes a matter of, of learning how, by the Holy Spirit, to love people the way Jesus has loved us. He would have never come. See, that's the thing about God. He'll never command somebody to do something that he doesn't give them the ability or the capacity to fulfill or carry out, obey that commandment. So when he says, I'm giving you a new commandment, it's not just that he's raising the bar, right, without, you know, giving us the ability to take that step up with him. Because he gave us that commandment, 
you can rest assured that he's giving us also at the same time the ability to fulfill that commandment, all right? So, and I'm, listen, I'm, I'm not asking for raising hands. I'm just trying to make a point tonight. More importantly, I think the Holy Spirit's trying to make a point tonight is, you know, we, we talk about faith and we ask God for more faith. And we recognize, you know, how the importance of faith and, and, and how we need to be stronger in faith and God give us more faith, okay? But remember, he didn't say the greatest of these is faith. He said, now abide faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. The greatest of these is love. When's the last time you've asked God to help you fulfill the new command of the Lord, which is to love others as Jesus has loved us? All right, so again, what if the problem is not with our faith, but with the love that energizes and fuels our faith? Now, let me... um, let me go back to something. I know for some of, most of you, maybe even this is going to be a reminder. But the Lord, back last year, um, <clears throat> I was changing a light bulb because I thought the light bulb was needed replacing. I put a brand new light bulb in the fixture, and it still didn't work. And it turns out that the bulb was fine, but that the fixture was actually broken, which I know is kind of a rare thing. If you've if you got a bulb, you know, a light that won't come on, I don't know, 99 times out of 100, it's, it's going to be the bulb. But in this case, it was not the bulb, it was the fixture. But in that little simple experience in my life, the Holy Spirit began to show me that a lot of times we think the problem is with our faith when there's nothing wrong with our faith, but the fixture that our faith is screwed into and and operates from our heart right in the same way that a light bulb is placed in a fixture and operates from it faith is put in your heart and operates from it and when we have problems with our faith we have a tendency to think that that faith is the problem instead of the heart that it is um, connected to and works from are you following me i don't think i said that as clearly as maybe I've said it in the past. Faith works from the heart like a light bulb works from a lamp. If the bulb is not producing a result, we tend to think the bulb first and the lamp second. What if the problem is not our faith, but the heart our faith resides in and works from? Okay? Because believing with the heart man believes, believing is not the only thing you do with your heart. You also love with your heart. Do you see how these two are connected? They come They come forth from the heart. So the Word of God connects faith and love together. We know that faith and love both reside in and work from the heart. Now, here is a statement that um, I'm sure a lot of you have heard Brother Copeland make over the years. He says, doubt tolerated is faith contaminated. So what's the point? The point is that there are things that we can allow in our heart that will contaminate our faith. That will hinder our faith's ability to produce results in our lives. And of course, doubt is one of the, uh, the, the biggest ones. But I'm asking you, the Holy Spirit's asking us tonight to not just limit our, our focus 
to the faith that resides in our heart, but to the love that also resides there and should be working from our heart in the same way that faith resides in our heart and should be working uh, from our heart as well. In other words, if, if faith can be contaminated and weakened, then I believe love can also be contaminated or weakened. Let's talk about a few of those, all right? This is where we kind of segue back into um, what we've been studying together on Wednesday night now for several weeks, okay? I believe unforgiveness is to your love what doubt is to your faith. In the same way that, that um, you know, if, if we tolerate doubt in our heart, it's going to contaminate our faith. In the same way, if we tolerate unforgiveness in our heart, it's, it's going to uh, contaminate our, our love. Anybody ever had water in your fuel tank? Man, that's, that's, that's aggravating, isn't it? You know, it's, it makes your car, I'm sorry, I mean, if there's enough in there, it won't even run at all, right? But it, it sputter and miss and hit and this and that. You know, could, could our faith be hit and miss because we've got water in our love tank? Are you understand what I'm saying? Unforgiveness is to your love what doubt is to your faith. Here's another one related to it. Judging others is to your love what doubt is to your faith. So we're talking about something else that um, if we tolerate this in our lives, it's going to contaminate the whole system, right? <clears throat> I, I need, this keeps popping up in my heart, so let me simplify it by saying it this way, okay? Love fuels the engine that produces the hope, okay? So love is fuel to the faith engine, and faith gives substance or produces in real life, real time in your life, that which you hope for. So love fuels the engine, right, which is faith, and then faith produces, gives substance to the thing that you hope for. That's kind of the three, right? So if the fuel is contaminated, judging others is one of the ways the devil deceives us in to allowing our love to be contaminated. Another one, I think, is again, all these are related, Refusing to extend mercy is to your love what doubt is to your faith. All right? Now, you know me, I'm going to try to say it so many different ways that everybody who wants to get it can get it, all right? <clears throat> what octane, staying with the fuel theme, okay? What octane is your, is your love? I was, as I was kind of meditating on some of this this afternoon and kind of praying over this, I know, again, this may sound corny, and I, I may not, just my lack of understanding in all these things, I may not really know exactly what I'm saying here, but, um, you know, it was the Lord knew my heart, knew I was sincere. I said, I said Lord, I, I, want, I want diesel fuel love. I just, you know what I'm saying, man, you... you there's diesel engines, help me, Bruce, four or five hundred thousand miles, million miles, you know. There's it's something, there's, there's oil in, in that diesel fuel that helps lubricate those engines. I mean, it's, 
you know, when I think of diesel fuel, man, I think about bulldozers and, and heavy equipment and, and uh, you know, I mean, just the nitty-gritty, just get down in the dirt and do it kind of work truck kind of love. You know what I'm talking Come on now, are you with me? Amen. I, I want diesel fuel love, man. I mean, just keeps on keeping on, just just digging in and, and mile after mile after mile after mile. Amen or oh me, you can do with that what you want. Amen, but the Lord knows my heart, okay? So here, here is the reality of it, okay? You cannot be strong in faith if you're weak in love. You see this. You can't be strong in faith if you're weak in love. And I, and I think this is where a lot of folks have gotten really frustrated, maybe even um, uh, aggravated uh, at, at the whole faith message and believe in God and believe that you've received. And, you know, because we can be such students of faith we we can you know read all the books and and get all the confessions right and and have everything you know lined up and and learn from some of the you know greatest faith teachers that have ever lived um and still not see the kind of results that 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 we want to see but again it you can have all of that you know lined up and never say anything negative and only have something positive to say and so police the words and, and, and you know, cross all your T's and dot all your I's when it comes uh, to, to how to actually operate in faith. But you're not going to be strong in faith if you're weak in love. Now, I'm not going to reread all of Matthew 5 to you again tonight. We've done that several times. But... In, in Matthew 5, it's where we see Jesus telling us to turn the other cheek, where he tells us to pray for those who uh, use us and, and, and bless those who curse us and give to those who ask from us. And uh, if, if somebody you know, steals our sweater, give them our coat. And, and you know, we read all of this and we're like, Jesus, what in the world? are you saying here what how can anybody live like that right and and so we've we've said that he's talking about extreme mercy here okay but we also see some of the most important clues in this whole message to us from Jesus is when he says that if we do this we will be sons of our Father in heaven. And then I think it's in verse 48. And this one right here, verse 45, he says that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. Let's just go to there. For he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so. See, this, this octane of love right here, it, 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 won't, even, it won't even crank a lawn more. Are you, are you, are you understand what I'm saying? That, in other words, Jesus is like, this, this, is, this is, you know, low-level love that people have for, for others that don't even hardly know God. 
So he says, if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Not even the tax collectors do so. Verse 48, therefore, therefore. What does therefore mean? Remember, anytime you find a therefore in the scriptures, in light of what was just said, in light of what I'm telling you, Jesus is saying, if, if, if you will develop this kind of love in your life, you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. We hear perfect and we think flawless. Perfect does not mean flawless. It means well-rounded. It means, it means fully developed. It means that which has come full circle. All right? Now, Jesus knew... How important perfected love is to strong faith when he preached Matthew 5 to us. Do you understand understand what I'm saying here? He knew it before, (laughs) for that matter. In other words, when Jesus is is giving us these instructions, when he's telling us and, 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 and explaining this to us and saying, look, This is how your Father in heaven loves. This is how he operates. This is the kind of love that that he extends to other people. This is the kind of mercy that he gives to other people. And if you choose to love other people this way yourself, choose to do it also, you will have the same kind of disposition as your Father in heaven And you will be perfect, you will be well-rounded, you will be fully developed, you will be complete, you will be perfected in love like your Father in heaven is perfected in love. Why is he telling us this? He's telling us this because he knows that we've been given the measure of faith, but he also knows that we can never be strong in faith if we're weak in love. That in order to operate at the levels of, of of faith that that we're called to operate in, we can't let our love walk lag behind. Again, we we want our faith to be developed. We want our faith to grow. We want our faith to be strong. Have even, if, if we're honest, have even asked God at times in our lives to give us more faith. When have we asked him to give us more love, increase our ability to love? Father, show us how to love people like Jesus loves them. I'm not saying we don't have room to grow in our faith. We all do. I'll certainly be the first to raise my hand and say that I do. But when we began this part of our study, however many months ago, what the Holy Spirit was saying to us is we're looking at our faith as if the problem is there and the problem lies elsewhere. Remember back in those days, I know most of you, some of you weren't here, but we talked about troubleshooting. If you've got a problem with something, you're trying to figure out why this thing won't work the way it was supposed to work, you know, you've got an owner's manual, you know, they'll, they'll give you all the, if, if this is happening, then try this, and if this doesn't work, then try this, and the, you, you troubleshoot. If our faith is not producing what it should be producing, what the Word of God says it should be producing, then we need to troubleshoot it. We need to figure out why. Where's the problem? Where's the breakdown? Where's the missing link? Where's the weakness? First place the Lord took us was he said faithful flourish in an understanding heart. Problem's not with the faith, problem's the understanding. Now he's led us to this next part 
that it's that faith will flourish in a merciful heart. Of course, we're seeing now connected with that is our love for others. Amen. You get anything out of this? I feel like I'm kind of squawking at you tonight. I apologize for the voice. Amen. Let me remind you of some things we've said already, okay? See, just in this fresh light. You see, without mercy, our love will always be shallow and one-sided. See, you, you can, like, really, really, really be good at loving people who love you. And get this false impression, man, that you, you know, you're running 97 octane love in your faith machine, right? When in reality, you know, you, you may be strong in loving people who love you, but very, very weak in loving people who are hard to love. And so, you know, we, we all have a tendency to focus on the things that we're good at, right? And then we also have a tendency to avoid the things that maybe we don't feel as confident in or we don't know as much about. And you know what I'm probably about to say, okay, the path of least resistance, see, as long as we avoid things that are challenging, as long as we avoid things that, that are, are difficult and, and take the easy way out, cut the corner every time, it's, it's going to be very difficult for us to grow and develop in life. You know, rising up in faith and saying, I am a child of God, I am an ambassador for my king and his kingdom. I'm in this world, but I'm not of it. And I'm the light of this world, and I'm here to shine the light and the love of, of my Father and His beautiful Son as the body of Christ in this world. Amen? And, I, and I'm gonna, I, I, this is what I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to live. I'm going to be good to people, whether they're good to me or not. As a matter of fact, I'm going to be good to people uh, who, just because I can, I'm going to be good to people who have mistreated me, who have wronged me. You see, and, 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 and it's, it's, it's like what we said, I guess, four weeks ago now, three weeks ago now. Anytime you push back against the resistance, you know, you, you flex that muscle. You're, you're using a muscle that, that you haven't used, um, but that's how you develop it. That's, that's how it grows. And so if we're, if we're more developed in faith than we are in love, see, the greatest of these is love. So you can be so developed in, in, when I say developed in faith, I'm talking about is, you know, knowing the word, confessing the word, believing the word, speaking the word. All that's good. I'm telling you don't do that. Do that, please. Right? But, but if we're over here judging people, you know, bad-mouthing our leaders, you, you follow what I'm saying? Jesus didn't say love people that you agree with. And if you don't agree with them, you've got a right to, no, no, see again, that, that, that ain't, that ain't happening. That ain't, that ain't gonna work. See, this is when it gets, this is when it gets a little more challenging. You see what I'm saying? 
This is when it's like, oh, no, man, I don't know about this. But that's how we grow. That's how we develop. That's how we become strong in love. See, when you, when you get strong in faith and strong in love working together, Let me give you one more verse, and that was basically my introduction, but we got it. We'll be back here with the Lord, unless we're in heaven. 1 John 4, 17. Notice what he says about love. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect, in love what's the opposite of faith the opposite of faith is fear so you know we're we're told of you know all these things about fear how you know don't fear fear not fear has torment god hasn't given us a spirit of fear um if you're in fear you're not in faith faith produces rest fear produces strife and anxiety and just on and on and on and on and on, right? And so it's very easy for, for, for me or anybody else to get in a pulpit and tell you don't fear, don't fear, don't fear, don't fear. But notice it's not gritting your teeth and saying, I'm in faith, I'm in faith, I'm in faith that casts out the fear. It's love that casts out the fear. Do you see this? It's love perfected. What is perfected love? Perfected love is loving people who don't love you. Perfected love is showing mercy to people who have wronged you. Do you, do you see that th this is that, again, you'll be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. This is that well-rounded, fully developed, mature love. This high-octane love that's fueling our faith. Amen. Stand with me. Praise God. Oh, thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I know you are, but I just, amen. I just, are you, is this making sense to you? Do you understand what I'm saying here? Okay. See, I, I want to, um, I want to grow. Amen. I got to stop saying. I, I want us to all grow. Um, you know, one of the things about ministers' conferences that not not all of the speakers, but but several of the speakers, they come and um, like for instance Jerry Savelle. Um, Jerry Savelle gets before the Lord in October to get a word for God's people for the upcoming new year. Um, he presents that to his staff first, then the church he pastors, then the minister's conference, and then he takes it to the world. Right? And so that's one of the things that makes that conference such a, uh, you know, uh, an awesome experience and time is that you're hearing things. I mean, I, I've heard... You know, for instance, I've heard Brother Copeland preach certain subjects and topics dozens and dozens of times. But, and same with Brother Savelle, but, and same with Brother Duplantis, okay? 
but when those men come to that conference, more times than not, it's what the Lord's given them that they're going to be ministering around the world for all of 2022. And so obviously, you know, Pam takes better notes than I do, but you know, taking notes and, you know, just the things that really speak to me. And it all, don't misunderstand me, I got something really powerful out of all of it, but um, Brother Jesse Duplantis, the word that the Lord gave him for 2022, and you have to understand, like, <laughs> sometimes those of you who are partners with him, you know, I mean, it, you know, it's, it's questions, it's all kinds of things that the Lord tells him. Sometimes they're really, really deep. Um, this year, and man, it spoke to me so powerfully. Um, the word uh, that the Lord spoke to Jesse, he said that 2022, are you ready? He said it's a year to do the work. It's a year to do the work, right? To do the work. And, and I don't, I don't know. You know, I know what that I know what the Lord is saying to me. I know the work that 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 He has for me to do this year. That I need to be more focused and more diligent um, on. But the the real I guess the bottom line of it is, you know, it's not that it's not that we earn our salvation by our works, but if we're going to move forward in the things that God has for us. It's going to require effort on our part. It's going to require effort on our part. One of the things, and I, and I wrote it down, one of the things the Lord spoke to me early one morning, I like to get up early and just when I was out there, is, and I should have known this, I mean, obviously it's, you know, been doing this for what, 30 years now or whatever. Um, the creative supply you know, God is my source, and I mean specifically in terms of sermons to preach, classes to teach, books to write, video series to produce, all, all these things, right, that the Lord's been really dealing with my heart last year or so about. And um, as simple as it may sound, he's, he's like, look, the supply is endless. There's... If, if God is my source and if God is my supply, that well's never running dry. Okay? And, 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 and I work together with him. He's my, he's my partner and I'm his. Now, you say, you're full of yourself, Pastor. No, no, that's what the word says. I am a co-laborer together with him. I am a partner together with him in our father's business. Amen, right? But do you realize that if the supply is endless, how much of that supply is actually brought to the world depends on how willing I am to do the work. Do you see? It's an endless supply, but the fruit, right, can reach a choke point in God's people. How much interest are we going to give this thing? How much time are we, are we going to put into all this, right? I wrote down several things that Brother Donald said on Sunday morning. But the one brother where you said, what are you willing to sacrifice for somebody else's benefit? Right? What are you willing to give up so that somebody else 
can have something better in their life. Let's do the work. Do the work. Amen. Amen. See, we, we don't think of, of, of loving other people as work. Right? But see, that's agape. Agape is duty. It's responsibility. It's, it's not about emotions and feelings. It's about a quality decision to do the work of shining the light and living the life and extending the love of our Father. Amen. Father, thank you for this time together this evening. Thank you for what you're teaching us. Thank you for helping us, Lord, lay hold of these things. Father, thank you for helping us see, Lord, these, these quality opportunities that are before each and every one of us. Lord, you tell us in your word to not despise small beginnings. And so, Lord, it may be as simple as, a, as writing a letter. It may be as, as simple as making a phone call or giving somebody a bottle of water or, or just having a kind word for somebody who's having a hard time. Lord, loving those, Lord, that you have put in our lives Letting you, through the Holy Spirit, teach us how to love others as Jesus has loved us. Father, that we would be strong in faith and we'd be strong in love. And Lord, we thank you for what you're doing in us and through us and among us. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise God. Thank you for being here this evening. Good things coming. Look forward to seeing a lot of you on Sunday, amen, uh, you be blessed.